Hey, remember that time we had a gay president? Welcome to Remember That Time, an historical podcast. I am your host, Anna Webb. And I'm your host, Amanda Webb. This is a podcast where two sisters totally geek out about all of their favorite moments in history. And this week, we have a very special guest, Ooh. my wonderful friend, AJ Gennaros. Hello, Yay. AJ. Hello. It hits different watching you guys do the intro. <laughs> yeah, it's weird, right? It's weird to see each other with... Our faces. We are not totally <laughs> used to watching each other do the intro yet because no, we've only we been not. doing video for a short time. Yes. But welcome to the podcast, AJ. <laughs> Thank you guys for having We're me. We're so, so happy. excited. AJ, so has excited been, AJ has been a loyal listener from like day one. So day one. We're very excited. Long time listener, first time caller, AJ. <laughs> <laughs> ah. AJ, I'm sure we'll do some more plugging at the end, but do you want uh, to let people know sort of what they might be familiar with that you create? (laughs) Uh, They might be familiar with me from my podcast straight off the top of my headlines, which is a new satire improv podcast in which I take some headlines and kind of make up my own stories for them. It's very fun. I have been on the podcast. We had a wonderful time. It's one of my favorite podcast um, titles, like names ever. It's so good. It's really good. (laughs) Thank you. The name came before the show. I was about to ask. I assumed that was the case. No. Yeah, the name. No. Well, we wanted to do history. And then we spent a long time thinking of what the name would be. Yes, yeah. And then we determined the concept of how it Yes, go. yes. Just yeah. a little behind the scenes for you. Um, before we get started, um, do you want a drink update? Of course I want a drink update. Should we let our guests go yes. first? Yes. Yes, we should. AJ, what are you oh drinking? Oh my goodness. I am drinking uh, Jack Daniel's Tennessee Fire. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh, okay. I'm not going to be having much of it because I need to be coherent <laughs> probably good for idea. this podcast. <laughs> that is fair. Well, I that mean, but I do have it. Coherent is something is like a goal for us, but not the standard. So don't feel no, no, too no. pressured. <laughs> and it's and it's not usually an alcohol thing. It's usually an exhaustion thing. It's a personality thing. <laughs> yeah. Also that. <laughs> um, well, I'm drinking some red wine. It's a blend. Um, I'm really liking it. Nice. I'm drinking water. Cheers, everyone. Shocking. (laughs) Like the respectable person in the group. I know, right? Always. (laughs) Always, Amanda. I have to talk a lot. (laughs) But even when you don't. (laughs) Yeah. I just like water, man. (laughs) I mean, that's fair. Stay hydrated. It's a fun time for cool dudes. Yes. (laughs) I've just now realized we've got this far into the podcast and haven't explained the well, um, do it. the concept oh, yes. of what this episode is. <laughs> so this is not a normal episode. Uh, we've only had one guest before, but normally with a guest, it would be that person telling us the story of something they enjoy in the same way that Anna and I do. But this episode is a little bit different. It's Pride Month. We are still celebrating Pride Month. And a long time ago, AJ made a very funny joke to me about how... Uh, we were just talking about people in history that were probably queer and AJ said no homo sapiens and it made me laugh really hard and then we came up with the concept for this episode. Very good. So this episode is titled No Homo Sapiens and we are going to be talking about uh, a handful of historical 
figures who were probably queer. And I'm just along for the ride, baby. Yes. Yeah. AJ and I are going to be taking turns. Uh, AJ, uh, I would say this is true. I, I am a queer person. You are a queer person. Yep. Um, I think that anytime we find out that someone from history might be gay, we then have to go learn everything about them. <laughs> we hype it up. Yes, please. Give, yeah. Yum, yum. Give me some of that. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Immediately have to know everything. So AJ and I know a lot of people I in relate, history who were probably queer. I relate to that on a very simple level in that I am like Amanda from West Virginia. And every time we hear that a person is from West Virginia, it's like, it's like the skies have opened. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Uh, so AJ and I are going to take turns. This is going to be structured a lot like our holiday special was, where we're going to take turns telling you a little bit about some interesting historical figures and about the uh, stories and speculations about how they may have been queer. Yes. And I'm very excited. Let's do it. Let's get into it. I'm so hyped. All right. We're going to jump right in. I'm going to start because this is my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> We'll let Fair, you, I treated you like this on my. We'll let you, you do the intro. We'll let you do the drink update first. But where we draw the line is the real content. It's okay? the actual episode. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the first person I want to talk about is my good friend, Walt Whitman. My friend and yours. My friend and yours, Walt Whitman. I'm an English major, so I do know a decent <laughs> yes. amount about Walt Whitman. Yes, yes. I'm familiar oh. with exactly two of his things. Oh, that's fair. That is a fair. whole world for you. Also, warning, I am probably going to end up doing full episodes on a lot of the people that I bring, and that's I just decided that's okay because I really wanted to talk about them here in this episode. Consider also. these teasers. Yes, teasers, because Walt will probably get an episode mm-hmm. at some point. <laughs> so, Walter Whitman is born on May 31st, 1819 in Huntington, Long Island, to Walter and Louisa Van Velser Whitman. What a name. Yes, quite. I think Van Velser was Louisa's maiden name. name. Probably. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, He's the second of nine children, and he's nicknamed Walt from a young age so that they can tell the difference between him and his dad. (laughs) (laughs) Smarter than a lot of other people we've covered with the same name. Also, fun fact, a bunch of his brothers were named after, like, important historical figures. So when I was reading about him and it would be talking about, like, George Washington, it wasn't talking about President George Washington. It was talking about his brother, George Washington. (laughs) That's so funny to me because he's the only one who becomes an important historical figure. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. Got uh him. It's so strange. So he stops formal schooling at age 11 and starts working to help his family's income because they did not have that much money when he was younger. Uh, Over the years, he works as a typesetter, a publisher, and editor for several different newspapers and journals. He's a teacher for a short period of time, on and off. Um, And then during the Civil War, which is a whole part of his life that we're not going to get into today, uh, he was an army nurse, a clerk for the Bureau of Indian Affairs, and uh, he worked at the Attorney General's office for some time. Dang. Yeah. Quite the resume. He's a provider. He does his job. We love him. <laughs> more like more like he doesn't make a lot of money, so yeah, he has right. to make a lot of diff- has to do a lot of different jobs <laughs> so he can make that money. <laughs> Fair enough. Writing does not pay that well. No. Sure does not. You don't have to tell me twice. I know, right? Same. <laughs> so he is best known as a poet, obviously. Um, 
And he is best known for his poetry collection, Leaves of Grass, which was edited, rewritten, and republished several times throughout his life. I think there were maybe seven publications of it by the time that he died. That sounds right to me. Uh, The first edition is published on July 4th, 1855, and the final edition, which is known as the Deathbed Edition, and is probably the edition that you'll see, that you can, like, purchase now, um, is published in 1892, just two months before he dies. So he, like, worked on it his whole life. I love Leaves of Grass. Me too. Um, There's a lot that we can talk about in his life, but we're going to kind of focus in on Leaves of Grass. Because that piece of writing is where a lot of the speculation about his sexuality comes in. Fairly. (laughs) Fairly, (laughs) yes. So he initially starts writing Leaves of Grass as an answer to Ralph Waldo Emerson's call for a great American poet to write like an epic that is for the American people. Because in this time period, a lot of writing and poetry was still in a British style. Yes. And a lot of... uh, scholars were looking for like an american poet and an american style to develop the one thing americans love to do is steal things from other people and then quote unquote (laughs) make it their own which really just means make it a little less detailed like yeah yeah. (laughs) bastardize it yeah rough so it gains a lot of popularity after its first publication because ralph waldo everson gives it a very good review uh but it soon becomes incredibly controversial because it is very sexual and offensive and people are like um i don't know about that (laughs) whoops you did a uh oh yeah no he did it on purpose (laughs) he did it on purpose (laughs) the second edition almost didn't get published because so many people were like um i don't know about that pal and his job at the Bureau of Indian Affairs, he lost because the person in charge of him found a copy of Leaves of Grass and was like, I don't think I want you to work here anymore. <laughs> so if you could respectively leave the building. Right. Oh, it was a lot. Yikes. Um, so there are a lot of references to both romantic and sexual relationships with men and women in Leaves of Grass. And I have chosen an excerpt for you. Ooh, oh, she's got the real book. Ooh. Look at that. I have a book. I didn't feel like typing it up, so I just got my book and found yeah, what I needed. Yeah, fair enough. Um, so this is just one example of many. This is section 11 of uh, Song of Myself. Oh, my favorite. This little section is told in the perspective of a woman, but it's about men and this also was not a thing that a lot of male poets would have done. So the the everything about this is um, n- uh, not straight, I would say. <laughs> the vibes are impeccable. Yeah. 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 So I'm going to just read, if not all of this, at least a little bit of this section. It's not very long. 28 young men bathe by the shore. 28 young men and all so friendly. 28 years of womanly life and all so lonesome. She owns the fine house by the rise of the bank. She hides handsome and richly dressed aft the blinds of the windows. Which of the young men does she like the best? Ah, the homeliest of them is beautiful to her. Where are you off to, lady? For I see you. You splash in the water there, yet stay stock still in your room. Dancing and laughing along the beach came the 29th bather. The rest did not see her, but she saw them and loved them. The beards of the young men glistened with wet... It ran off their long hair. Little streams passed all over their bodies. 
An unseen hand also passed over their bodies. It descended tremblingly from the temple from their temples and ribs. The young men float on their backs, their white bellies bulge to the sun. They do not ask who seizes fast to them. They do not know who puffs and declines with pendant and bending arch. They do not think whom they spouse with spray. So he is very good. He's very good. Song of myself. Yeah, that's gay, dog. That yeah. one's gay. That's pretty gay. <laughs> so, yeah. like I said, it's it's that section is from the perspective of a, a woman, but he he comes in and out of all of these different perspectives all through Song of Myself. And yeah, and truthfully, it's not even from the perspective of the woman for that much. No, it's not. Yeah. You know? Um. But l- that's just like all of that was very risque. He was talking about naked men. Oh my god! Like beards? What? What? And, um, hey, hey, listen. He may have been writing from the perspective of a woman, but cis straight men don't go into that much detail of things. <laughs> True <laughs> enough. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, and that's just one example where he's like talking about male beauty. So that's <laughs> Leaves of Grass. Um, Song of Myself is so good, and I recommend that everybody read it. It's so good. I agree. I We spent a long time on it in one of my lit classes. Yes, it's really same. good. So although he never addresses it publicly, there is some evidence that he had several relationships with men throughout his life. Uh, he is thought to have been in a relationship with Peter Doyle, who was a bus conductor that he met in 1866, and they were apparently together for a very long time. There were several others, but they were, like, not n- notable. You know what I mean? Oh, my God. Um, it's Peter Doyle. Does that work? <laughs> is that Peter Doyle? Does is that, that work? one Peter Doyle, actually? <laughs> no one's going to get that. It's a Bim Bam reference, okay? Everybody if you don't get that, call If you don't that. listen to my brother, my brother and me, I don't know why you're listening to this podcast. Because I don't know how you yeah. can listen to us and not them. That's just a fact. Anna, I was sitting on that from the second she said Doyle. <laughs> Oh, my God, Peter Doyle. Oh, my God, it's Peter Doyle. Oh, wow. Long lost ancestor of <laughs> Matt Doyle. Um, so the only written references of his sexuality come from second parties who, like, talk about, like, oh, yeah, I definitely had sex with that dude. <laughs> like, in their journals or whatever. Oscar Wilde said that he kissed him. You know, like, they, shock. they all. Ooh. Shock. I know, right? Who did Oscar um, Wilde not, not kiss? Not kiss, 100%. Um. <laughs> There's also evidence that Whitman had relationships with women as well, and he claimed that he had six illegitimate children, but there's, like, no actual evidence of that. He just, like, wrote it in a letter once. Oh, my God. <laughs> I would. He lo- would. I really would love if that weren't true, because that's, like, the funniest lie to tell about yourself, I feel yeah. like. I mean, I have six illegitimate children. <laughs> Me, a homosexual, I have six illegitimate children. Talk about beards. <laughs> <laughs> Real. Real. So obviously historians are like, oh, he maybe wasn't gay. He's had, oh, they- of, he's had a lot of close male friendships. Or, or like, the relationship may have been romantic, but there's no proof that it was sexual. Who cares? <laughs> right? Who cares? Brotherly they bonds are so important in this day they and were age. They dated. <laughs> Leave them alone. <laughs> like, just, just let, just let them date. I don't know what to tell also, you. Also, they're all gone now. So what's the difference? So who cares? <laughs> you know? Who cares? Do white men need more people to look up to? I don't think so. <laughs> let us have this one. <laughs> So that's that's Walt Whitman. He was probably bisexual, and I appreciate him quite a lot. Love it. AJ, would you like to tell us all about uh, your your topic, your first topic? 
I would love to tell you all about this first tantalizing topic. Um, <laughs> this one is going to be about our aforementioned gay president, uh, James Buchanan. Oh, boy. Um, I'm sorry if I pronounced names wrong in this episode. I did not look up how to pronounce uh, them. Welcome! It's kind welcome of our to thing. the party! It's kind welcome of our to the thing. party. I really want to make a t-shirt that says Queen of Mispronouncing Stuff because Anna said that like once in an episode and I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> if we ever get merch, that's the first thing we put on. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Do it! I'm proud of you guys. Uh, so, Thank you. James Buchanan was born on April 23rd. Uh, 1791, he was born in a log cabin in Cove Gap, Pennsylvania. His parents were James Buchanan Sr. and Elizabeth Spear, both of which were from Ulster Scott descent, so they immigrated from uh, Scotland. Nice! Which is dope. I almost did a Scottish accent and then I thought better of it. <laughs> smart, smart, smart. It would have been very bad. Yeah, 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 yeah. I support your bad decisions. <laughs> no, I wanted to have a good... No, no, no. I can't do it. <laughs> All right. So uh, he attended uh, the school at the Old Stone Academy. I'm assuming that's where he went to for primary school or high school or whichever one. Mm-hmm. Uh, he went to Dickinson College in Carlisle, Pennsylvania, and he was nearly expelled for his bad behavior. But he pleaded yeah. for a second chance, and he ended up graduating with honors because white privilege. I was yeah. just about to yeah. say white men. Ugh. I feel like a lot of the white men that we talk about on this podcast have that have a very similar. Yeah. I mean, the story exception the exception would be Edgar Allan Poe, who yeah did not get away with really anything. Nope, nope, nope. <laughs> no, he did not. I promise this is the only white man I chose. <laughs> yes, it is the only. I, I have a couple more white men, unfortunately. <laughs> That's all right. All right. So he was admitted to the Pennsylvania bar, and he moved on to uh, Lancaster, Pennsylvania in 1812. There he uh, moved in there. He practiced law. He did his thing for the longest time. He got his political career started up. He began it uh, as a federalist, and Ooh, he we're elected. We're talk about another federalist here in a minute. Ooh. Yep. Ooh, federalist. We love that. <laughs> but he was elected to the Pennsylvania House of Representatives uh, for 1814 to 1816. He, uh, he was also a Freemason. <gasps> Intrigue. Secret. Yes. Ooh. Ooh. He served as a master of the Masonic Lodge number 43. And he was a grandmaster of the Grand Lodge of Pennsylvania. Whoa. So he knew oh, all the secrets. I, I think that's a thing. We should do an episode about all the ex-presidents Ooh, who are either known or believed to be Freemasons. Yeah. Yes. You need to tell yes, me there exactly are a lot of when that drops. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you will be the first to know. Thank you. <laughs> all right. So in 1818... James meets and courts with Anne Caroline Coleman, who reciprocates those courting efforts. They <laughs> courting do get efforts in- is really good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's really good. He's trying his hardest. No, out I here. love that. I love it. Yeah. He's a man yeah. with a dream and he won't stop until he gets it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So they start courting each other and they do get engaged in 1819. They do not spend that much time together because James is uh, working on his political career. He's working on his law firm. In that time period, there are rumors floating around. Uh, this is where most of the speculation begins of his homosexuality. Uh, Coleman admits to hearing about some of these rumors. 
in which James Buchanan is only marrying her for her money. I mean, sure. Yeah, there's one thing. Or he's having several affairs with unidentified women. Well. (laughs) Which is definitely a rumor you hear from a gay man. (laughs) (laughs) Well, to be fair, you hear it about straight men too. (laughs) Let's be honest. (laughs) Look at all these babes I'm getting. I'm very straight. (laughs) Look at all these women. (laughs) Women, please mate with me. (laughs) Uh, But... And Coleman breaks off the engagement, and soon after that, her. she dies, unfortunately. Oh, oh, well, I spoke too soon. <laughs> <laughs> I literally said good for her, and you were like, and then she died. <laughs> Oops, no. a daisy. <laughs> we all make mistakes sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, after this, James Buchanan does not try to court any other women. He's not interested he, he, he was like Mary with. Rich or not at all. Okay. <laughs> not a bad philosophy if we're yep. being honest. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so you can either see that as like, oh, he found his soulmate. I choose to see it the gay way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think you're sure. probably correct. That's, that's this whole episode is us going, <laughs> I choose to see it the gay, the gay way. way. That's another t-shirt. This is yeah, what I'm yeah. here for. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So 1832 is skipping ahead quite a bit. Uh, James Buchanan is offered the position of ambassador to Russia. Oh, oh da. Yeah, he's a bit hesitant to leave the country because he's still got all his stuff going on over there, but he eventually agrees, and he just pieces out to Russia for 18 months, <laughs> and it's all cool. He says, do svidaniya. <laughs> I know the tiniest bit of Russian, and I'm going to use it. <laughs> it's okay. It's more than I know, which is just Nastrovia. <laughs> Nastrovia. All right. So then when he comes back from Russia, he succeeds William Wilkins as the senator of Pennsylvania. All right. We're getting, he's moving on up. He's he's climbing that corporate ladder. Yeah, baby. (laughs) We're here for this. We're we're trying to find a president in this mess. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) So more speculation arose when Buchanan eventually became friends with and moved in with William Rufus King. This is the main subject of most of any speculation that James Buchanan is yep, gay. Yep, 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 yep. Uh, they, I mean, yeah. Yep, they live on and off together for about 16 years. Yep, And yep, yep, yep. soon after, uh, Mr. King does die of tuberculosis in 1853. Yeah. Oh. Nice. But also 16 years. It's a yeah. long time, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's... Uh... They were just roommates. They were just two oh my grown god, they were, were roommates. roommates. And it gets even spicier Ooh. when you hear about these letters that they wrote back and forth. Uh, excellent. I love excellent. historical letters. There are a lot in this episode, <laughs> yeah. I can tell you right now. There's very many. It's very good. So uh, Buchanan ended up writing to King on a time where uh, King had left to France to be ambassador there for a bit. Uh, Buchanan writes, I'm now solitary and alone. Having no companion in the house with me, I have gone a wooing to several gentlemen, but have not succeeded with any one of them. Right, I feel well. that it is not good for man to be alone, and should not be astonished to find myself married to some old maid who can nurse me when I am sick, provide good dinners for me when I am well, and not expect from me any very ardent or romantic affection. <laughs> wow, okay, that's uh, well, <laughs> quite gay. Gay, 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 gay. I would, I would call that... Quite gay. I think we could probably move past the speculation phase and yeah. say confirmed. Well, confirmed. hold on, because then King writes back to oh. Buchanan. 
I am selfish enough to hope you will not be able to procure an associate who will cause you to feel no regret at our separation. For myself, I shall feel lonely in the midst of Paris, for here I shall have no friend with whom I shall commune as with my own thoughts. Yeah. Aww. Yeah. If that ain't a rom-com. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, fully. Yeah, for real. Aww. Where is Mr. Darcy? <laughs> for real! Oh. Don't get Amanda Ugh. started. That is her favorite book, film, piece of, Correct. Piece of culture. Yes. But yeah, so that's pretty much where we're at with James Buchanan. He's yeah. definitely gay for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Or the, uh, let me take a uh, wild guess. Do historians go, that's just how male friendships were back they then. They just talk friends. to each other like that. Oh, men every source I af- found? Absolutely, yes. Yeah. 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 It's always, um, like that. yeah, men were more affectionate in those days. Like, that's the that's what I First hear. of all, like, no, they what? weren't. Yeah, they absolutely weren't. Um, <laughs> we are literally stifled because of our ancestors. Seriously. So. That's so true. Oh. Uh, ridiculous. All right. I I enjoyed our gay president. It was a very good gay president. Thank you guys for yeah. letting me speak. Well, thank uh-huh. you for coming to my TED Talk. Have you do you guys know that um part in uh I'm going to make an office reference when uh they watch Michael's movie and Daryl's playing the president and he says something like I I took the part cuz I wanted to show my daughter what it was like to have a black president. Um <laughs> But Obama was in office when it came out. And then he was like, so now, or no, this is two different references. I'm sorry. He, it's when he's working out. It's when he's trying to get fit. And he's like, I used to say I wanted to live long enough to see a black president. And then he says, but now I want to live long enough to see a really gay president. Or (laughs) he was something else, but I can't remember. But I would like to say now, we already had had We had a really gay president. Now you know. Now you know. Take that, Pete Buttigieg. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, Mayor Pete, so sorry. Oh, wowzers. He was not my candidate. No. <laughs> Poor guy. I did not realize how similar AJ's first topic and my second topic were going to end up being. I am so shocked that you have picked this person. We're going to talk about Alexander Hamilton. Whoa, wait. What? 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 Yeah. What? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. And don't My worry, guy. there will 1,000% be another episode in which Alexander Hamilton is a main player. Of so. course, you, you will not throw away your shot. No. <laughs> I've, I've oh already boy, here we go. And we're almost, off. I've already almost made a Hamilton reference when you were talking about the ambassador to France. Yes, me I too. didn't. Yeah. Then I yep. didn't. Anyway, Alexander Hamilton. <laughs> He is born on January 11th, either 1755 or 1757. It's been a hot minute since we haven't known what year somebody was born. It's been a minute, but (laughs) there is some confusion. But two years isn't that bad. I'll take it. Fair. Um, He's born in Charlestown on the Caribbean island of Nevis, I believe is how you say that. He is born out of wedlock to Rachel Fauchette. Fawcett. Fawcett. Probably Fawcett. Uh, and James A. Hamilton. Hamilton's father abandons him and his older brother, and his mother dies of t- of yellow fever in 1768, uh, which leaves Hamilton and his brother orphaned. They briefly live with their cousin, who commits suicide in 1769, and then after that, they're separated and they end up living with other people. You know, you could have just listened to the entire opening number of Hamilton. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I already yeah, knew this. 
<laughs> yes. Yes. Welcome to people who already know all of this information. About yeah, right. <laughs> I, I tried my darndest to cut it down. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot about his life. Uh, he works as a clerk for several years. In 1772, he writes a letter to his father. Anna is dancing because she's <laughs> singing the song in her head. Uh, he writes a letter to his father about a hurricane that devastated his town. A local journal- journalist publishes that letter, uh, and members of the community are impressed with his writing. They take a collection. They send him to North America to get an education. Get your education. Don't forget from once you came. Is on my graduation cap. Thank you. Thank you. It's really cute. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a very nice cap. Thank you. He arrives in New York in late 1772 and begins his education shortly after that. In 1775, after the battles of Lexington and Concord, Hamilton joins the New York Volunteer Militia. So this is the very beginning of the Revolutionary War. Uh, during his early military career. Hamilton receives at least three offers to be aide-de-camp to several generals, all of which he declines because he thinks that the only way he's going to get, like, improve his station is to be a war hero because he's an idiot. Um, to he's be like, the either I'll be... I don't yeah. think so. <laughs> now, why are you upset? <laughs> he basically says either I will be a hero or I'll die trying to become one. Yep. And then that's and then basically he, what happens. Yep, 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 yep. yep, yep. Um, so in 1777, George Washington asks him to be his aide, and, like, you can't say no to George Washington, so he accepts. And that is probably an episode I'm going to do later, if that's about Washington and Hamilton. Amanda loves the Washington-Hamilton relationship. I bought her a book Mm. about it. She still hasn't read it, so. Rude. (laughs) Read the book that your sister got you. It's okay. I've been sitting on a loaned book from her for a while, and I just read it, so, man, look at that. Um, so I'm, I'm going to just sort of skim through the rest of his life because what we want to talk about is the Revolutionary War. Right. <laughs> so he goes on to become the first secretary of the Treasury, uh, a founder of the Federalist Party and the U.S. Coast Guard. He establishes the first two central banks. Also does... founder of the New York Post. Let's not yep. forget. Also yes. listed oh, yes. in the yes, song. Yes, yes. <laughs> yes. Um... <laughs> Um, so his life is wild. He's famously killed by Aaron Burr in a duel on July 11th, 1804. Oh, this is, here's a, here's a weird thing about Aaron Burr. (laughs) This is my favorite fact about Aaron Burr. I already know what she's going to say. It's not in her notes, but I know exactly what she's going to (laughs) say. Ann and I, when Ann and I were growing up, I didn't... When you said, if you said the name Aaron Burr to me, I would not have said, oh, that's that dude that killed Alexander Hamilton. I would have said, oh, that's that traitor who made the Blennerhassets lose all their money. Yeah, we're from Williamstown, West Virginia. The Blennerhassett family is from Williamstown, West Virginia. It's a whole thing. It's this rich family and Aaron Burr uh, was He scammed them. He He scammed them. He was trying to overthrow the government and he came to their island and he was like, what's up? Do you guys want to join? And they were like, sure. And then a different family from our town snitched on them and they lost all their money and Aaron Burr got arrested. So I remember being like, oh, that fool also famously killed somebody? Great. Good to know. (laughs) That was not in the musical. (laughs) That Um, was not in the musical. Did we make the final cut? Yeah. Also, Aaron Burr did used to sign his letters as something like he would like sign off on them. I can't remember exactly how he said um, it. Do you remember, Amanda? Yeah, like, he would. He would. He whenever he talked about. Are you talking about how when he talked about Hamilton, he would say like, "My friend, whom I killed." Whom Alexander I killed. Hamilton. But he would sometimes sign his letters that way too. I yeah, think yeah, he'd yeah. be like, "My friend, whom I killed, Alexander <laughs> Hamilton, or whatever." <laughs> yeah. 
Anyway, that was a long tangent. Also, I do have shot glasses that are called dueling shot glasses, and they have Hamilton and Burr on them, and they, like, face each other. They're great. I'll post a picture when the podcast comes out, because they're pretty great. Anyway, long tangent, but I had to talk about Aaron Burr for a second. (laughs) Got it. It's important. (laughs) We're going to jump on back to the Revolutionary War, because that's where the speculation about Hamilton being bisexual comes from. So... We know that he was with some women. He was married to Eliza uh, Schuyler, and he also had an affair with Mariah Reynolds, which ruined his career. So whole other thing. No, no, uh, uh, the affair did not ruin his career. No, he, did. he ruined his <laughs> career. Yeah, 100%. Anyway, but many people believe that he had at least a romantic, but probably also sexual relationship with uh, John Lawrence, who was another Revolutionary War soldier. So the theory comes from the language Hamilton uses in his letters to Lawrence, and people always try to write it off being like, they were just really close friends. They were gal pals. And talk to each other. But like, okay, listen, here are some <laughs> excerpts from the letters. Um, April 1779, uh, Hamilton writes, I wish, my dear Lawrence, it might be in my power by action rather than words to convince you that I love you. I shall only tell you that till you bait us... Adieu, I hardly knew the value you had taught my heart to set upon you. It's precious. <laughs> July 1779. Lawrence, come get this. <laughs> AJ, no! You we can't, can't use that! It's a really good show, but you can't use it because it was a curse! <laughs> come get this booty. Okay, alright, alright. <laughs> a really good joke. Uh... <laughs> Should we uh-huh. uh, should we should we take it back to one? Try it again. <laughs> roll it back to one. I will figure out how to edit around that because that was very funny. Please bleep. I- please bleep the butt word. <laughs> the butt word. Oh, what I boy. would really love is if we could insert like some Civil War music behind this, you know, like in the Ken's Burns documentary. Oh yeah, while well, like, the letter. Do, 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 do. Oh my, my dearest, my dearest Lawrence, <laughs> it has been a fortnight since last we spoke. This is one of my favorite bits. Don't get me started. Yeah, I know. I will write full letters to Civil War <laughs> lovers. Like, I can't. I can't. I know you will. <laughs> I certainly will. <laughs> uh, okay, I have more letters. <laughs> Do it. Read them. Read them. Um, September of 1776. Hamilton writes, like a jealous lover, when I thought you slighted my caress, my affection was alarmed and my vanity peaked. So, like, come on. Again, why are we still talking about speculation? <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I know. I know. Um, in September of 1780, he writes, uh, this is short. I think this is shortly after he marries Eliza. He says, um, in spite of Skylar's black eyes, I have still a part for the public and Another for you. Your impatience to have me married is misplaced. A strange cure, by the way, as if ma- if as if ever matrimony, I was to be less devoted than I am now. Like, boy. <laughs> he also, is one broken synapse away from leaving that altar. <laughs> yeah, right. for real. Poor, listen, poor Eliza, okay? I she, know. Oh. <laughs> the girl went through it for a yeah. lot of reasons. Yes, she did. We just keep adding to that pile. Yeah, <laughs> Yikes. Yeah. Um, but there were also lots of other, like, innuendos, and he talked a lot about, like, I don't want to get married, like, all that kind of stuff in his letters to Lawrence. 
Um, right. And then this is another thing. A bunch of these passages that I just read uh, were redacted by his family in his first biography. And then you go, hmm, I wonder why that is. <laughs> the man that, was that's bisexual. That's some revisionist history right there. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. The man was bisexual. That's my tale of Alexander Hamilton, whom I adore. <laughs> Alexander Hamilton, my friend, whom I shot. Whom my bi king. My bi yeah. king. <laughs> my friend who was bisexual. Anyway. <laughs> Anyway, speaking of kings, <laughs> you yes. set that up for yourself. That was good. I didn't even plan to set that up for myself. It just happened. The stars Who aligned. Cares? It was just I loved it. I loved it. All right, so we got uh again. So very sorry about pronunciation. We've uh, been there. Pepe II Neferkare. That right. was good. I'm into it. I thought that was pretty good. Yeah, yeah. All right, this one might actually accidentally take the prize for most old history i think that it does <gasps> oh my oh god, god. he's usurped us both history our guest is taking my crown <laughs> we've both been usurped wow in our own house <laughs> in our home you come into my house <laughs> i'm robbing your plasma screen <laughs> <laughs> jokes on you i don't have one <laughs> excellent so this fool was born in 2,284 before Common Era. Well, yeah, for sure. For sure older than Hanukkah. For sure older than Hanukkah. For sure. And, you know, he died uh, sometime after 2247 BCE. Wow. Wow. He was originally thought to be the son of Pepi I and uh, Queen Ankensenpepi. I'm impressed that you even attempted. I would not have tried. Yes. Yeah, I I was worried about it. But the South Sakara stone proves his real father was actually Marenre Nemtiemsef. So was he a bastard? Uh a little bit of a bastard maybe. There's there's two that's two this episode. You let me say it. <laughs> that well that's that they are that's a real It's a thing. technical term. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You goaded me onto it. I cannot be blamed for your crimes. No, we don't no, no, no. count that no, one meant, as a I curse meant, word. I meant two bastards, not two curses. <laughs> okay, that's, oh, two oh. bastards. Because <laughs> Alexander uh, Hamilton was also a bastard. Here we Orphan. go. Son, Son of, of a, a no. <laughs> <laughs> and a Scotsman, anyway. Uh, nope, nope. So, so uh, anyway, yeah, no, this is his real dad, Moren Race's real father. Great. Peppy II uh, succeeded to the throne after at, at the age of six, yep, that after Marenre's death and his boy king, his boy king <gasps> reign. Oh my God, kid court, kid court, kid court, kid court. Kid court. That's another. That's another T-shirt. Kid court. Yep, but his reign did unfortunately mark a very sharp decline of any power that pharaohs had oh, afterwards. Sad kid well. court. So that that <laughs> system of government. Was going away after this. Yeah, that's <laughs> had to happen sometime. Yeah. <laughs> you know? His mother is most likely rumored to have done most of the ruling sure. for uh, so Kid Court. I just, I just read your note. It's so good. <laughs> I like the way you write notes. It's good. This is how I wrote notes in like college. And every I time it. my friend would like look over my shoulder at my laptop, he'd rap me the heck out. <laughs> I used to write notes like that too. Yeah, same. Yeah. Keeps you entertained, anyway. But, yeah, I no. still do sometimes. Uh, Mom was definitely in charge for the beginning of the ring, because, like, yo, he's six, maybe doesn't even know what a country is. <laughs> Much less how to rule one. 
so fair. That is so fair. So I am king of a country. Tell, tell me more about that. Tell me more about this. Is this the country? <laughs> it's his hand. <laughs> now, homeboy did have a few wives. Okay, standard. Uh, let's go down the list of these, shall we? Yes. Um, yes. we have Neath, who was possibly his cousin and half sister. Yep. Good. Yep. That tracks. Yeah. Yeah, yep. yeah. We have Iput the second. Which is definitely his half sister. Uh-huh, uh-huh, okay, uh-huh, uh-huh. okay, okay. We got Egkensa the third, daddy's daughter. So, <laughs> so sister. Yeah. Great, so okay. sister for sure. <laughs> I feel like we should have been wary of the ones that were named after his mom. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. And fair also enough. Sad. <laughs> yeah. And notice I said ones there because we also have Egkensa the fourth. Who is also somehow related to him. Yeah, 100%. 100%. And then the last one that we have here is Ujiptin. That is the daughter of his fake dad, Pepe the First. (laughs) Uh, So comparably not as gross. But but (laughs) if he didn't know his real dad, then I would argue it's grosser. (laughs) Because then he wouldn't have known. But then you could make the argument that he doesn't know the other ones are related to him. So... So not so much blame on him, I guess. Either way, it's all gross. It's all yeah, bad. It's all this bad. is very well, common for pharaohs. This yeah, is normal yeah, yeah. for them. Though. Yeah, it's very normal for them. But also, here's the thing: is that I, it says that the history spec thought about that. I'm not sure if he was aware of his own lineage. Oh, got you, got you, got you. Right, right, right. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, you know. So, I don't know anyway, it's all bad. Yeah, it's all bad. Yeah. So yeah, uh, those were his wives. But the main speculation about. I mean, other than him divorcing very many women, <laughs> uh, was that there was a story written about him and his general. This is mm. the story of King Neferkare and General Sazenet, and it was written because they were suspected of having an affair. Now, this work is mostly lost to time, mm-hmm. unless you're, like, very rich and can find a lot of it. <laughs> but I will give you an excerpt from this story. Great. Then he, and uh, that was uh, a guard on site called Teddy. Uh, I'm sure that's not how you pronounce it. Again, I'm very sorry. I prefer sorry. that. I like it. <laughs> so then Teddy noticed his majesty. <laughs> <laughs> then Theodore noticed. <laughs> then little Theo Ted. noticed his majesty the king. <laughs> Ted of, noticed the king. Of upper and lower Egypt Neferkare who had set out by himself on a walk without there being any person with him. Teddy retreated before the king without... Le- <laughs> I can hear you laughing so at making me laugh. It's so very sorry. good. Teddy Do not apologize. Really 10 out of 10. <laughs> so Continue, please. <laughs> I'm going to try enunciating it more. Maybe it'll help. Teddy retreated before the king without... Le- it was worse. <laughs> Teddy retreated before the king without letting him see him. Teddy, son of Hanet, stood still thinking as follows. If it is so, then the rumors about him going out at night are true. Then Teddy, son of Hanet, followed this god without letting his heart put blame on him in order to observe every one of the king's deeds. Then he reached the house of the general Sasanet. He threw a brick after stamping with his foot. Then a ladder was lowered to him and he climbed up. Oh. <gasps> Meanwhile, sorry, the drama. <laughs> it says Teddy, son of Hennet, a lot, so I'm just gonna yeah, go. That's, and how have they all, that's how they go. Yeah, yeah. Me- 
Meanwhile, Teddy waited until his majesty went away. After his majesty had done that, which he had wanted to do with him, he left for his palace, Teddy behind him. Only after his majesty had reached the great house, life, prosperity, health, Teddy went home. Concerning the walk of his majesty to the house of the general Sazenet, it should be noted that four hours of the night passed. He had spent a further four hours in the house of General Sazenet. And when he entered the great house, four hours were left until dawn. Wow. Dang. They bonin'. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I really bless. like the buildup of that story. It's just like the drama. Oh my yeah. god. Yeah. No. Like, and then there was and then there was a secret signal and then oh, the amount of time this oh the drama. Rapunzel, <laughs> let down your hair. Yes. Truly. The drama of it all. <laughs> okay. It's time to it's time to get a woman up in the house. There we go. A woman. We gonna talk about Eleanor Roosevelt. Uh, yes. She's another one that there will probably eventually be an episode on because- I love her. Her life is fascinating. She deserves yes. it. She does. Absolutely. I am also, I continue to be shocked how many um, little connections there are between mine and AJ's because we did not co- <laughs> confer <laughs> on this yeah. at all. <laughs> But I love it. but it will become clear as we talk about Eleanor what I am referring to. Um, uh, so Anna Eleanor Roosevelt is born on October eleventh, eighteen eighty four, in Manhattan, to Anna Rebecca Hall and Elliot Butch Roosevelt. She is the niece of President Theodore Roosevelt, hence already having the Roosevelt last name upon her birth. We will get into that in a moment. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, When she is young, her mother dies of diphtheria and her father, this is wild. Okay. Her father was an alcoholic. He jumped out of a window while going through withdrawals. As you do. Sure. Survived the fall, but then Mm -hmm. died of a seizure. Oh. Wild. (laughs) Wild. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So after the death of her parents, her and her brothers were raised by their maternal grandparents. So not the Roosevelts. Not the Roosevelts, yeah. The other side of the family. Eleanor first meets Franklin Delano Roosevelt in 1902. They are fifth cousins once removed. So also related. Yeah. <laughs> not not um, great, but as far as cousins go, not the worst we've talked about. Yep, yep, Fair. yep. But the the same last name is like yeah, a little yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel it's different when it's like Smith. I don't know. Everybody's last name is Smith, but Roosevelt <laughs> is very specific, and they yeah. are both and very famous already. And they are both related to the president, no matter right. how di- distantly. You know. Fair. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um. So they begin a secret romance after they meet, and they get engaged about a year later. Mm-hmm. Franklin's mother does not want them to get married. And she tries to... Who can can imagine why? Yeah. And she tries to keep them apart for the next couple years, but they eventually get married on March 17th, 1905. And that was because they wanted um, Theodore Roosevelt to walk her down the aisle, and he was going to be in New York for the St. Patrick's Day Parade. So that's why they got Ah. married on that day. Just found that fact to be fun. Um, And they have six children together. And they all marry each other, because that's how this family works. Uh, yikes. 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 <laughs> is that how the rest of the story goes? No. Is that the, is that the end God. of the story? <laughs> thank God that's not the end of the story. Wowzers. 
Uh, she becomes very involved in Franklin's political career after he is stricken with a paralytic, paralytic illness in 1921. She was also involved in politics in her private life because mm-hmm. a little while after they get married, she finds out that he's having an affair with his secretary. So she's just like, I'm going to go have a, a public life of, of politics while you do that because I don't feel like dealing with it. She's a fascinating woman. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Um, she becomes the first lady of the United States when Franklin Delano Roosevelt is elected as president in 1933. He serves four terms, which makes... Her the longest serving first lady ever. He is also the longest service f- serving president, but you know, oh, yeah, it wasn't a rule yet. Yeah, so yep, <laughs> yeah. So she was. They, they were. He was the president. She was the first lady for twelve years. Right. Yeah. Nice. Oh yeah, I realize now not all of our listeners are American and don't yeah, know what a yeah. term for president four terms. Is. Yeah. A term is four years. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> As the first lady, she works in favor of civil rights for African Americans and Asian Americans, uh, for yes. women's rights and for laborers' yes. rights. Yes, which was very controversial at the time because remember, yeah. this is not during the civil rights movement. This is 1933. Also, she's a first lady. She's yeah, not yeah, the yeah. president. Yeah. She's not a politician. Mm-hmm. We uh, we can't talk about this right now because I'm going to get hype about it, and that's not what this is about. Yeah. <laughs> um. She was the first presidential spouse to hold regular press conferences. She wrote a daily newspaper column, uh, a monthly magazine column. She hosted a weekly radio show, uh, and she spoke at national party conventions. So she basically redefined the role of the first lady. Before this, they were, like, literally just the president's wife and nothing else. And she, like was like, oh, I like politics. I'm in a position of power. I'm going to do some good stuff with that. She was amazing. Got things done. She did. Yes. After Franklin dies in 1945, she continues working in politics and for human rights for the rest of her life. So she she was a very political woman. She's the I don't Elizabeth doubt Skyler that she's of her time. I don't doubt that she's doing things as a specter now. <laughs> yeah, <that is laughs> right. So true. <laughs> she's looking she out for us. She's guiding Michelle. Oh, yep. Oh, yeah. She, she walked so Michelle could run. And she walks. Oh my god! (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I got a little Methodist there for a second, (laughs) mommy. Oh boy. Um. So that's you know short overview of her life. Jumping back a little bit, during Franklin's first presidential campaign, Eleanor meets an Associated Press reporter who is covering the campaign named Lorena Hickok. The two become very close and are speculated to have begun a relationship. Eleanor writes daily 10 to 15 page letters to Lorena and addresses them to Hick. That's a lot. And then I read somewhere that there were upwards of like 3,000 letters written between them. Yeah. That's gay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> For yeah, sure. That's a lot. Here are some excerpts. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eleanor writes, I want to put my arms around you and kiss you at the corner of your mouth. Mm-hmm. And I can't kiss you, so I kiss your picture good night and good morning. So, Aww. like, yeah, that's right, so nice. right? I love it. That's cottagecore as heck. <laughs> it really is. It's so sweet. Very I love that. them. Um, J. Edgar Hoover, who was almost on this list. That's a whole other story. He's a punk. He's a punk. Anyway, um, he hates how liberal Eleanor is. and that, He hates a lot of things. Yep. Yes, he does. And right. that, um, 
her and Franklin are like actively against the role he plays in the FBI. So he keeps a file with information about Eleanor Ugh. and Lorena, and it apparently has evidence of their relationship because he wants to use it for blackmail because he's the worst. To which Eleanor probably would have been like, and what? And what? What What about it? <laughs> you, think, you think you're going to take me, Eleanor Roosevelt, down with yeah. that? Fine. Yeah. Good luck. Catch these hands. Um, yeah, right? <laughs> eventually, Lorena leaves her position at AP, and Eleanor gets her a job as an investigator for the New Deal program because she felt like her role as a journalist was compromised because of her relationship with Eleanor. Mm. Well, that's fair. Wouldn't have been yeah. good for Lorena. Yeah. Uh, so people are like, nah, 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 they, they weren't really dating, whatever. There was this one person that was like, it was the schoolgirl crush. And this other, <laughs> and in some biography about Eleanor Roosevelt and some other, uh, biographer like clapped back at that and was like, that's homophobic. Try again. <laughs> like, also, <laughs> the term schoolgirl crush is so stupid. Like, is this schoolgirl crush? Like, they're adults. What are you talking about, Mary? Like, <laughs> and, also, and also, most schoolgirl crushes that girls have on other girls were because, because they were attracted they like to women. Girls. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, and what? <sighs> but, like, you know, the letters obviously lorena basically lives at the white house for most of roosevelt's presidency because at this point franklin and eleanor have are less married and are more political partners and friends the nature of their relationship changes so it's like that's very that's how their relationship franklin's on board he knows he gets the deal he's chill also Lorena was a lesbian. Like, it, mm. the, the, <laughs> she was a lesbian. Right, right, right And right, I also right. found this delightful. Eleanor is friends with just, like, just so many lesbians. Like, all of her friends right. are lesbians. Right. Her teacher that influenced her as a child was apparently also a lesbian. So it's just, like, just... Uh, again, I don't know why we're calling it speculation. Me like, either. It's fact. They were together. <laughs> it's... I mean, I do know. I know why. But right. I don't approve of it. <laughs> yeah. It's because she's bi. She's giving these poor butches access. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that was my girl, Eleanor. I just realized that all the pickle- people I picked were bisexual. I wonder why that is. <laughs> <laughs> Gee, I wonder. <laughs> Gee, I wonder. Does it make any sense? Would that, would that be sense? a tell? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Weird. <sighs> anyway, AJ, would you, would you like to give us one last uh, probably queer historical figure? Well, now for my third gay man. <laughs> <laughs> hmm, I wonder. Hmm, hmm, hmm. All right, so we have Bayard Rustin here. Uh, he is most notably Martin Luther King Jr.'s right-hand man for the March on Washington. Nice. Yes. Yes. So he was born March 17th, 1912 in West What is Chester- happening with all of our little weird connections between our people? That is <laughs> I nuts. Know. I cannot believe also- that. Nope, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> no, are, you, are you about to let me read a note so you can goof on it <laughs> no i'm not gonna goof on it i just have something to say about it all right so but you have to say the thing first or it's not gonna make sense <laughs> all right so he was born march 17 1912 in westchester pennsylvania and he died august 24th 1987 Okay, so you have now picked two people who were in very close proximity to where I now live yes! in Pittsburgh. Yes! <laughs> oh, no, I absolutely had that in mind. When <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, hey, that's where she is. There's a yes. lot happening here today. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So his parents are Florence Rustin and Archie Hopkins, but he was actually raised by his maternal grandparents, 
who are Julia and Jennifer Rustin. So right off the bat, what? we got some. I'm sorry. Wait, Jennifer? <laughs> <laughs> That's not a name. <laughs> but also, again, raised sorry. by the. I can't believe. Anyway. Uh-huh. <laughs> Jennifer. I'm sorry. I can't. <laughs> he did end up believing that. Uh, growing up, that his bio mom was his older sister. I'm not oh. sure where the veil dropped for him, but great. It's usually the other way around, right? Yeah. I'd. Oh, anyway. No, no, no. That's that tracks. I don't know what I'm thinking or saying. Forget me. Ignore me. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the first. Uh, I'm not gonna say anything about speculation. This dude was absolutely hundo percent gay. It is <laughs> yeah. out there that he is gay. Uh, the first. A clue to this was that he mentioned to his grandmother that he preferred to spend his time with males over females. Sure. And his grandmother kind of just took it as very well considering the time period. And she just said that, I suppose that's what you need to do. (laughs) Good for her. She said, you do you, boy. I'm not going to ask any questions. Do whatever you want. Right off the bat, solidarity. We love that for you. We love an ally. Yes. All right. So 1932. This dude enters the Wilberforce University, which is a historically black college. Yes, Yes. HBCU. And he was a productive member of a lot of organizations, uh, including the Omega Mm -hmm. (gasps) Sci-Fi. I have a friend who's in that organization. Sorry. We love that. Greek (laughs) life? Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, He he ended up being expelled from Wilberforce. Oh, well, okay. (laughs) Just ruin the happy moment, but yeah. that's all right. <laughs> he got expelled in 1936 after organizing a strike. Oh, okay. He, he ends well, up good for him. at Cheney State Teachers College, which is now the Cheney University of Pennsylvania. Uh, he moved to Harlem in 1937 after completing an activist program. Uh, he got invested in defending and freeing the Scottsboro Boys. Yes. Which oh. were nine young black men accused of raping two white women. Wowzers. Good for him. I love mm-hmm. this man. I know. I was just about to say the same thing. <laughs> so he put the work in there. Uh, yes. His personal philosophy was a mix of socialism and Quaker pacifism. This man is incredible. Okay. <laughs> he is my absolute dog right now. Yeah, I for love real. him. So in the forties, he was in uh, a relationship with Davis Platt, and they met. Platt met Rustin at the age of twenty. There was, there's not much information about their relationship. I just wanted to include in here his first uh, real relationship. Uh, so 1948 rolls along. He traveled to India to learn nonviolent civil resistance techniques from the leaders of the Gandhian movement. Nice. Work. And between 1947 and 1952, he met with leaders of independence movements in Ghana and Nigeria. Wow. I mean, there are things we could say about Gandhi. I won't say them now, right. but <laughs> that is very impressive resume. Yeah, no, this dude does a lot with the time that he has, and I appreciate yeah, him right? for it. Yeah. Uh, 1951, he forms what is now known as the American Committee on Africa. Wow. And here, uh, a couple years later, is his first public speculation of anything uh he's arrested in pasadena california for sexual activity with another man in a parked vehicle in 1953 oh poor guy so that this is the first time that his homosexuality is publicly talked about uh-huh it's made even more public later in the timeline i'm gonna time jump around a lot on this one that's all right that's cool that's cool this was later made even more public by an american legion chapter in montana because they didn't want him giving lectures in the state of Uh, Montana. So that was an attempt to cancel them. 
Oh, this guy. If the ads, if the odds weren't already stacked against him so much, let's add, let's also add that he's, you know, openly. Not, gay. I, would, I don't yeah. know if you would say openly because right. I don't know him or his life, yeah. but it was known that he was gay. Right. Yep. We'll get more into that later in the notes. Don't you worry oh, about boy. that. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, he did have a relationship with A.J. Must, who was the director of Fellowship for the Fellowship of Reconciliation. Uh, Rustin was a part of that before he resigned due to his own convictions. Okay. Uh, after that, he... Well, first of all, I think I skipped a bit because he did join the War Resisters somewhere. <laughs> That's okay. He did leave the War Resisters uh, <laughs> League in 1956 because that was when he was going to help Martin Luther King learn Gandhian tactics. Reason. Nice. Yeah, good reason. Now... Being on uh, Mr. King's team was a bit of a struggle because a lot of African-American leaders were very wary of Rustin's sexuality. Mm. Uh, they didn't want it to undermine the civil rights movement because right now it was about black people and it was what that was going for. Sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, this went to an extent that even though Mr. Bayard Rustin organized and orchestrated a lot of the March on Washington, like he organized police, he organized bus drivers... Everyone had a small job in this, and it was all orchestrated by this dude. Uh, But Roy Wilkins, even with Martin Luther King Jr.'s support of Rustin, Roy Wilkins argued that Rustin's homosexuality would be a liability to the importance of the march. Hmm. (sighs) I just have a a lot of thoughts, because it's like, how many people... uh, Anyway. (laughs) Yeah, no, it only gets worse, because then we got this fool... Named uh, Adam Clayton Powell Jr., who Ugh, heard of him, who Ugh. threatened a lot to leak the news of a fake King Rustin affair. Oh yeah, because mm-hmm. he was mad that a march uh, that the two of them organized uh, got included. Uh, let me read the note correctly. After being upset <laughs> by a march, the two of them organized that got them included in the Democratic National Convention. Thank you for making the correction there. I got you. This is what we, we do. We correct each other's notes all, all the, the time. time. I love <laughs> yes. this. We love That's right. That. I forgot about this fact. I did know yeah. that fact, but I forgot about it. Yeah, same here. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, so some weeks before the March on Washington in 1963, Strom Thurmond labeled Rustin as a communist, a draft dodger, and a homosexual, which, I mean, I guess we kind of knew that it. last part by now. <laughs> what? But also one of it for the rest of that. Like, <laughs> people used to people used to love equating homosexuals to communists. Yes, yep. we talked about like, that last last time. Yeah, it was like a thing. It's like what? There's no logical leap there. I, I don't. I, and okay. also, what <laughs> of it? <laughs> yeah, right. And even if they are, one has nothing to do with the other. I don't. I don't know if you've ever known about communists before, but um, they don't have a great track record with uh, homosexuals. No, yeah. they do not. So, so I don't really know where we're getting that. Right. So Thurmond like boasters this claim with an a release. He released an FBI photo of Rustin speaking with Mr. King Jr. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. while Mr. King Jr. was taking a bath. Yes. Now that picture is real. Yes, I've seen it. They yeah. both say that that wasn't the case. And I don't doubt that. This is a case where I believe that bros were just being bros. <laughs> they were chilling in a bathtub five, five feet, feet apart. And they, they were actually, not gay yeah, together. Well, <laughs> one of them is gay. The other one is not. So The metaphor sort of fell apart there in the middle. <laughs> yeah. But you got it. <laughs> All right. So uh, with the help of Tom Kane, Rustin did... Ha- 
uh, write an influential article called From Protest to Politics. That amplified the economic changes and how they affected African Americans in 1964. Uh, That was published in the Commentary magazine. And he got a little bit more into gay rights activism in the 80s. This is where we're going to see a spike in that. He made a speech entitled The New N-Words Are Gays. Hmm. And in that one... That's a big statement. Yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's wild, for sure. But if anyone's going to make it, it's my dude Bayard Rustin. Yeah, 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 yeah. I would say he has a couple legs to stand on there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. There was an excerpt I could have used, but I chose to paraphrase for this one. Uh, (laughs) There were laws in place to protect black people, so the new barometer of social change has shifted from the black community to the gay community. That's what Rustin believed at this point. Mm. Mm-hmm. He did, however, refuse to be a part of a book called The Life, a Black Gay Anthology, because he viewed sexual relations as private, and he wasn't really involved in gay struggles in his youth because of, like, how he was revealed instead of, like, getting to come out. Mm -hmm. Mm. He was never out openly until he was getting slammed with all these charges. Until he was outed, basically. Yeah. Yeah. So he didn't really engage in the gay activism until the 80s because that's he felt that there was more of a need for black people than there was a need for gay people in that moment. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Gosh, that's so interesting. His mm-hmm. last partner, Rustin's last partner, was Walter Neagle. Uh, that went from 1977 to Rustin's death in 1987. Oh, He's a, that's that very a interesting. One. I know. I was just about to say, I might put him on my list for like a yeah. full episode. Yeah, that would make a great full episode. He's a really yeah. interesting dude. He's very he good. Is. And also, apparently... I read in another thing when I was trying to look up more about David Platt. David Platt and Walter Neagle were, like, cool with each other. Like, they were, like, bonding over the fact that they were both in a relationship with this great man. Huh. Wow. Huh. Huh. That's, that's very interesting. It's very interesting. Nice. Well, guys, those are some really interesting historical figures. Thanks. I, I very much enjoyed that. Thank you both for bringing those topics to the table thank you guys for letting me bring them yeah thank you oh for God. coming that was so fun Loved i'm it. so glad we did that i'm so glad our very dumb joke that we could have just disappeared into the ether as most of our jokes do <laughs> <laughs> became a very cool and fun thing this is the yeah, only one that won't really be lost to time <laughs> yeah probably <laughs> yeah, honestly yeah, right? <laughs> recorded for posterity yeah. forever yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, history's great, but today is cool too. What's your favorite thing about modern times? Welcome to Modern Times. It's a segment of the podcast where we talk about things that we like about the here and now. Oh. Hey, AJ, how does it feel having that happen to you in real life? <laughs> it, it's very powerful. It's Doesn't effective. it feel really good? <laughs> yeah. I find Thank it you. delightful every time. I feel like it's my I, reward. <laughs> yeah, I, I would agree I, with that. I like can't believe how much Amanda loves it. Cause it's just like a dumb thing I did. It one just day. I just find it delightful and it gets stuck in my head for a long time after every time, and I just think it's great. Anyway, it's just so good. <laughs> so, who wants to go first for modern times? I'm going last on this one. Okay, I'll, I'll go yeah, first. Anna, start I'll go us first. out. I'll go first. So, my favorite thing about modern times is you, neither of you will be able to really. No, but it. I you um, saying that made me know exactly what it is. I don't know. Uh, televised sports. Okay, I was okay. close. I thought you were just going to say the Premier League, so I'll take yeah. it. Um, the Premier League is back, my friends, on the day that we're recording this podcast. Um, I don't know if you guys know this about me, but I do love Premier League soccer, particularly Liverpool Football Club, who were two games away from winning the league as of today, but then 
the team that needed to win did not. So it's not great. Um, during this quarantine, I have very much been missing televised sports. It's very much a coping mechanism for me. Um, I love hockey and I love soccer and I watch sports on TV all the time. So I'm very glad they're back. I hope they're being safe. <laughs> I think they are for the most part. Um, but I, I love being able to watch sports on TV. I don't know what it's like. I really love listening to sports on the radio. It's a really cool, like kind of nostalgic feeling for me, but being able to watch on TV and just being able to see an event that like, I probably will never be able to go to. It's different for hockey games. Cause I go to those, but soccer games, I, I yeah. I'll never be able to go to a Liverpool game. Probably. Um, like just the crowd and particularly with the premier league, like hearing the the crowd singing yeah, in the yeah. background. It's that community like, aspect of yeah. it that makes it fun. And the premier league, now that they're back are like piping in recorded sounds from old games I so love that you can that. still hear, because AJ, I don't know if you know this about the English premier league, but their fans sing songs throughout. Oh the games. yes. I know. I know this. So, yeah. So like every team has songs, like the, pl- they have songs for specific players. So they're like they're piping, piping in that, the audio. That's amazing. That's it's great. So good. It's so great. I was watching one today and it like, they weren't even my teams, but I was like, why, why do I still hear singing? Like I can see that the seats are empty. And then they said something about it. And I was like, that's amazing. That's delightful. <laughs> So, televised sports. That's mine. It's a very good one. That's a very good Thank one. Thank you. Uh, mine is Pride Flags. Oh, oh yes. yes. I love Pride Flags. I love that everybody has one. I love that it's like a thing that people can come together around. I love um, symbolism and colors. And so yes. that's something I very much enjoy about Pride Flags. Um, and I just think it's nice. I, I don't really have a whole lot else besides that I just love them and I think they're very cool. And it's like, I don't know, countries have flags and all different kinds of things have flags. I just think it's nice that there are pride flags for lots of different communities. I love that. I remember when you got your pride flag at Pride last year. I was so excited. So excited. I, just wanted a little, I wanted a little one because the only ones that people sell are those really big tapestry ones, which are yeah. cool, but I don't want one of those. I just wanted a little one. And I found one for free. And I was I remember excited. you came back to the, I was working at a booth at Pride last year and Amanda was there helping. And I remember she came back to the booth and she was like, look what I got. She was like, I got a pride flag. I got a flag. She was very excited. I just wanted oh. to be able to like put it with my stuff. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, no, I am now riddled with pride flags of all sorts because yes. I am the person who runs the prides for the Connecticut Gay Men's Chorus. Yep. So yes. in my last year, uh, the only year that I actually got to do the events, it was uh, <laughs> right. I it was a lot of it. Yep. Yep. Right. I'm sure. Yeah. All right, AJ, your turn. All right. So I ended up having a couple joke ones before I got to my actual serious Hit one. It. So Hit me with it. <laughs> I don't know how I got on this point, but the first one was perennial tanning. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I don't know how I got there. I forget. I don't know what I was expecting, but it wasn't that. <laughs> and from there, I <laughs> quickly leaped onto hemorrhoidal cream. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> because, because I made a tweet the other day <laughs> that was a little so more... mad about this tweet. <laughs> First of all, I'm mad about this tweet, but second of all, it's a little more audio bi- autobiographical than I'd care to admit. <laughs> great, great, great. Uh, but my real one, and I will activate it for you now. Oh, it's party lights. 
<gasps> AJ. <laughs> Listener, you cannot see this, but AJ has literally just turned on a color changing light behind him in the room. It's amazing. Smart lights are my favorite thing ever since we got them in our house. I am so excited to have them. There is a setting on this particular app that says ocean. And it just kind of goes through some aquamarines and deep blues. You love that. You vibe with that. I do. I just lay flat on my bed and it feels like I'm floating. It's really nice. Oh my God. I typically use the setting that you're seeing now where it changes through like disco colors. And I put on a very happy song just to like spice up the panic attacks. Oh my God. You know what? That would really improve my Lady Gaga Rain On Me dance party. It yes. would. Okay, because girl, I've been having one every single day since that song came out. I cannot stop. <laughs> it's very, it's powerful. Do it to Babylon yes, so as good. well. <laughs> yes. Yes. Excellent. Those are all very good. And this is a great episode. Thank you both for, for doing that. Um, Listeners, if you have questions or comments or if you have topics you'd like us to talk about in the future, uh, you can send them to us at rememberthatpod at gmail.com. And you can also find us on Twitter at RTTPod. Uh, We're also on Facebook. Just look up the name. Uh, Last episode, we put a little donate button for the Trevor Project on our episode. I'm going to do it again. And I think we're going to do that again for this episode since it continues to be Pride Month. So if you find us via Facebook and you want to donate to the Trevor Project, there will be a little button there on our episode post. Yes. And based on uh, my actual day job, um, I know because that we're also partnering with the Trevor Project, um, that the Trevor Project is really focusing this month on um, black LGBTQ youth. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you're looking for a way to donate to both of those sort of causes at once, it's a great place to go. Yeah. Yeah. what what do i say next oh if you want to leave us a review on itunes or wherever you listen to podcasts that would be great um if you want to find me on the internet i am at the real anna webb and i'm at acw nerdfighter and aj where can people find you do you have anything you want to plug just go for it i will try to get through my lengthy list of things do Uh, it here we go so personal things you can find me on twitter at aj underscore chineros that's g-a-n-a-r-o-s and you can also find me on Instagram at AJ underscore the underscore Slayer because I do have an underscore kink. They are in all of my uh-huh. <laughs> all of my usernames. Uh-huh. Super into underscores. All right. I told you about straight off the top of my headlines earlier. You can find that on Twitter at straight off pod. And uh, if you search straight off pod on just about anything, I'm sure you're going to find it. Mm-hmm. I am also a part of the Sinister Parent Company Network. Uh, that has a a few fun shows on it, like Good Idea and uh, Shattered World RPG. Uh, other shows that I'm on include uh, <laughs> Christmas Tide Kit. It, is it called Christmas? T- it's called Christmas Tide Ohio, mm-hmm. which is a fun <laughs> RPG game where I'm going to be pretending to be. Uh, by the time you hear it in July, I'm going to be pretending to be a first grader. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're playing kids on bikes, right? Yeah, right, we're right, playing right. kids on bikes, and we're yeah. so, we're like exploring from first grade to twelfth grade. Oh, fantastic! Nice. All right, and is that all? Uh, you know what? Uh, check out the uh, the CTGMC, the Connecticut Gamers Chorus. Yeah, uh, we're gonna be doing some stuff online soon, hopefully. Yeah. Yes. Love it. All good. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, AJ. I've really enjoyed it. And seriously, come back literally anytime. Yeah, for real. That was <laughs> so fun. I'm so glad that we finally got to have you on. That was a blast. Any Anything you think I could do, heck yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, so that's our episode this week. Uh, donate to the Trevor Project if you can. Uh, and I don't know what I'm talking about next time. Nope, never. Obviously, mm-hmm. figure it out. Um, Why would you? Th- we this we are lucky that we had this one planned. Um, yep. <laughs> awesome. Well, all right then. Uh, until until next, next time. time. Remember that time. <laughs> yes. Yeah.